Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, by the clearness and the brightness, um, the goodness and beauty of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Last Sunday, we um, reflected on the first part of of this passage from um, Matthew 16, or this sort of scene in which Peter and Jesus and the disciples um, are speaking, and Jesus calls Peter, um, Peter for the first time. He's Simon Peter, and Jesus calls him Peter and says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And we looked at Isaiah 51, um, which exhorts God's people to remember the rock from which you were hewn, the rock from which you were cut from, and the quarry from which you were dug, and how um, it speaks to um, how God's been faithful to ordinary people. They were, some had very um, unique um, qualities, but God works through ordinary people, making them noble um, because he has called them and he puts his spirit upon them. And he calls um, us to be part of a community, an assembly of the people of God, like a, a living building. And Abraham and Sarah are part of that foundation of the, the people of God, and Peter is the foundation or the rock upon which Christ began first to build his church. And so there's lots of metaphors, lots of, they're not, I guess it is, it's just metaphors that aren't in contradiction with each other, but kind of talking about the same thing. We have Romans 12, where we're talking about one body with many members. And we have um, Jesus asking Peter to, f- to follow him, to take up his cross. That there's, there's a lot of um, precedence and um, uh, submission to Jesus uh, first, above all. Jesus is building an assembly with Simon Peter being the first of the foundation stones. Because Simon Peter was first um, among the disciples. He was first uh, to proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God, as we heard last Sunday. And so Jesus calls him Peter, which means rock, saying that upon this rock, upon this man, this person, I will build my church. And Peter was, again, an ordinary person. He was humble um, on his own standing. He was a fisherman, a man um, who, as we see throughout the gospel um, witness, was a little bit rough around the edges. Um, He was kind of a run-in kind of guy. Um, But he was also made noble because he was called by Jesus, called by God to be a fisher of men, a man chosen and called by Jesus um, to be the one after whom others would follow as disciples. And so there's encouragement that people of God, each of us, um, whether we are confident in our gifts or we have insecurity or sadness, wishing we had different gifts or stronger gifts, God makes all people most noble according to his love and his purposes. When I, um, a couple, well, many years ago, but two, two summers when I was um, in, uh, after school in college, I worked as a block tender for a masonry company. I think I, I've talked about this before, where it's guys who tried to get me to swear, um, guys who um, tried to ruffle my... I had hair at that time, but like ruffle, ruffle me, you know, get me, uh, get, get my pulse up. Um, they were actually successful in, in doing that. Um, but I was working as a block tender with them. It was a generational um, masonry company, um, a dad and um, a son and, and then his brothers. So they had a lot of, lot of history with each other. But my job, again, it wasn't it wasn't uh, skilled work. I just mixed the mortar, carried the blocks and the stones. 
And the first day that I came to work, I had tennis shoes on because I felt I want to be fast on my feet. And they were very quick to say, you need steel-toed work boots. You are not going to be able to wear tennis shoes because we're carrying very heavy blocks, very heavy stones, and as much as it might feel good for me to be nimble, all it would take is just dropping one on my foot and being kind of out um, for a while. So second day, I had steel-toed work boots, and I still have those steel-toed work boots, those Red Wing boots. I'm just like, another good Minnesota thing. Um, because the blocks, the, the material that we worked with um, was heavy, it was hazardous, um, depending on its position, especially when it was unstable. And sometimes we'd get these big pallets of blocks and maybe the pallet would break and things would fall off and you'd, you know, I would try to be nimble in my steel-toed work boots, get it out of the way. But it was, it was a hazardous thing to be working with these, this heavy material. Um, it's ironic that that same quality of strength and weight, um, or not ironic, but just the truth, that the same quality of strength and weight that made those blocks good for building also made them a potential hazard um, if they were to fall the wrong place or if they were a stumbling stone. This is where we're going. Because the difference between a building stone and a stone of stumbling or a stone of hazard is its position. It's not really its material or its quality. And the difference between a building stone and a stone of stumbling is its, is its position. Is it in the right place? Is it fulfilling its right purpose? The difference is its position. People, um, we can be like that too. We can be out of position. Um, that our most dominant characteristics in our life, um, our most dominant characteristics can be strengths. They can be things that are very, um, they bless others, that they're recognized and um, appreciated by others. But at times, sometimes our dominant characteristics can also be um, a place of our vulnerabilities, that there's a shadow side um, to the things that are easiest for us or our strengths. And we can look at Peter um, as an example, that Peter was courageous. Um, he had faith. He was, again, first to um, follow Jesus. He was one who walked out on water. He was um, one who proclaimed first that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But, Jesus, uh, but Peter was also one who could be presumptuous. Um, Peter could be one who, who doubted if things didn't go the way that he thought. He began to sink when he looked at the wind and the waves. And when um, Jesus was being tried, um, he himself denied Jesus. And in this passage, again, he's very presumptuous. He thinks he's been called to be the rock upon which Christ would build his church. And he takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. In spite of those, those mixes of, again, of strengths and weaknesses, strengths and vulnerabilities, nevertheless, Jesus chose this rock of Peter upon whom he began to build his church. And so last week, we thought of the promise, the positive promise, that Peter's the foundation. But this Sunday, we see on how Peter can be a hindrance, that Peter can be a stumbling block. That Peter was strong um, in some ways, but that his strengths could cast a shadow as well. They could, be, they could have vulnerabilities. And today we see an example of those vulnerabilities. In his acclamation of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, Peter is blessed and Jesus praises him and calls him to new work. But then in his rebuke, just um, it seems just a few days later or moments later, in, rebu in his rebuke, Jesus um, convicts Peter that he's acting as an adversary to Jesus. 
He's not merely an annoyance, again, like a, a hindrance that you stub your toe on or that is just sort of a, a pain, um, but that he was acting, in fact, as Satan towards Jesus. He was acting as sort of a spiritual adversary, that like Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, Peter was acting as a spiritual opponent to his Lord and to Jesus' will. Like a stone um, out of position, um, even a stumbling block, Peter needed correction and he needed to be put in proper place. Then in order to follow Jesus, Peter needed to get behind Jesus to follow him. That he couldn't follow Jesus if he presumed to know uh, the way and the destination better than his master. And so graciously, Jesus commanded Peter um, to get behind me, to follow me. And his correction of Peter wasn't an annihilation or a rejection of him um, totally, but a redirection. That if Peter was to be a faithful foundation stone of Jesus' church, Peter needed to rest upon Jesus that his body and his mind and his spirit needed to be devoted to God's service and not to the service of the world or the vision or the imagination of the world and how um, the Messiah might come. If Peter and the other disciples wished to follow Jesus, they must follow Jesus himself, where he was going, where he was leading them, carrying their crosses as he was saying that he would carry his own and bringing, uh, following behind him as living sacrifices. This um, invitation or this command, take up your cross and follow me, um, it wasn't just a metaphorical thing. People didn't carry crosses metaphorically. Jesus is this really kind of bringing up and evoking um, sort of a horror movie um, image for the disciples. Because it was condemned prisoners who carried their crosses um, to the place of execution. As they took up their cross, it was a sign of the world's condemnation that they were as, as walking dead. Jesus commanded his um, disciples to die to sin and even be willing to accept the world's condemnation for the sake of life and blessing with him. That above all, that there is blessing in Jesus' in presence, um, but that does not mitigate or change the fact that there will not also be resistance from the world and resistance that perhaps even leads unto death. The prophet um, Jeremiah, who we read from as well today, was a servant of the Lord who also knew resistance. And he was one who bore a message of repentance um, to God's people, a message of repentance again and again that they rejected and refused to hear. And so as a consequence, as we um, see in a passage from Jeremiah today, he felt very alone and rejected by God. He was isolated, he was mocked, um, numerous times in his life, there were plots against him to kill him. Um, even a, a, a situation when she was thrown into a cistern to starve. And tragically, like Jesus and like Peter, like many of the disciples, the ruthless and the wicked, those who were his enemies, those who attacked him, they weren't foreign enemies. They weren't um, idolaters and others who um, rejected God, but ones who actually claimed the authority of God the religious and political elites of his own people, although they were again very distorted in, um, in their thinking and in their action. And so Jeremiah was under tremendous pressure to conform, but Jeremiah couldn't gain anything by conforming to the will of his enemies. If anything, it would just give a brief respite, but that would ultimately end in destruction 
and eternally he might gain um, the whole world, he might gain um, his enemies sort of easing off of him and yet forfeit his soul. And so what message could he speak other than speaking faithfully God's words, the ones that God put on his mouth? That any gain he might receive from conforming to the patterns of the world would end in destruction. And so God promised Jeremiah both deliverance and defense, saying, I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. God didn't promise an end um, absolutely and immediately to persecution and condemnation, but only that Jeremiah's mockers and um, enemies would not conquer him, that God would fortify him against their attacks and redeem him. Jesus promised the same to his own disciples if they would take up their cross and follow him. Again, not promising an escape from persecution. In fact, moving towards um, persecution and yet they would not be put to shame. The pressure to conform to the world for Jesus' disciples, for Jeremiah, is great. There's false promise of pleasure and of security. But we find our most noble purpose in following Jesus where he has led. And that following isn't just, um, again, an assent or a belief. Um, as Peter declared that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, um, that's not the, the, that sort of assent or agreement to belief isn't the, the, the total of what it means to be a disciple, just to agree to truth in our heads, but to be people whose bodies are offered um, to God in worship, living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God. Because again, the difference between a building stone and a stumbling stone is its position um, and its relation uh, to God. Peter wasn't timid. Um, He was one who lived boldly. But at the same time, he was one who received correction and was put back into the right posture and position. He had humility even to um, testify to others of the times when he received this kind of strong and humbling private um, correction from Jesus. Imagine if your witness is to share of how Jesus called you Satan (laughs) or the times in which you um, rejected Jesus but then Jesus called you back to ministry. It was a great expression of humility that Peter was showing and willing to testify to how God um, was gracious and merciful to him and how his correction brought him life. Because Peter and Jeremiah and all of us, we find our most noble purpose by being in right relationship to God, that resting upon him and following him, doing as he commands us. The world um, tells us to be you. Um, and there's, it's in some ways sort of a partial partial truth. We are not to be people pleasers. We're to accept, you know, accept ourselves, strengths and frailties. Um, There's good in trying to play to your strengths and not to conform to other people's expectations. But it's only, again, a partial truth. That um, I've, for myself, uh, some of you, who's taken strengths finders before? Doesn't know what strengths finders are, right? So it gives you an inventory of things that that you um, naturally are inclined to. Uh, For myself, um, one is context. I was a history major. It's kind of a natural thing that I like context, seek insight about the present by looking at the past. 
And yet, left to my own devices in isolation of just trying to work in context only, it can be a paralysis because when have you gotten enough context? There's similar, again, things. Be you, don't listen to others, don't conform to others' expectations, and yet it's within a community of a mixture of many different gifts that those things can be fruitful. And when we can have humility to recognize that, or for myself, context isn't everything, or for some of you, harmony isn't everything, or responsibility isn't everything, or for my wife, woo is not everything, even though she's very gifted at at woo, Um, that we are a richer and a healthier um, body uh, together. So yes, be you, um, accept and give thanks for how God has made us, but be you in right relationship with Jesus and in fellowship with his people, accepting with sober judgment that even um, our most uh, valuable characteristics still require sometimes correction and maturity. And we receive that correction and develop that maturity as we follow Jesus, as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to him, bodies devoted to God's service in the spirit, we receive it and we mature that in that correction and receiving and heeding God's word, but also from being in fellowship um, with fellow disciples, that our rough edges, others can gently note those things, that we can build one another by humbly sharing loving correction um, to not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by God's word and God's love for us. And so Church of the Redeemer, it, it really does. Again, the difference between a building stone and a stumbling stone, it's this position. Therefore, be in relationship with God and Christ. Let us be living sacrifices, living stones in the temple of Jesus' body. Let us love his house, love his people, gathering together and even praying that God would give us loving correction if it's for our good that in the assembly of our church body gathered and dispersed that we might be people who bless his holy name. Let us pray together. Gracious God and most merciful Father, you have granted us the rich and precious jewel of your holy word. Assist us with your spirit that the same word may be written in our hearts to our everlasting comfort, to reform us, to renew us according to your image to build us up and edify us into the perfect dwelling place of your Christ, sanctifying and increasing in us all heavenly virtues. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.